quitting is a really powerful thing. And I think that is one of the big secrets that I've learned to getting unstuck is that if you become an expert quitter, you become an expert beginner. Welcome to today's podcast episode. This is one that I think you're really going to enjoy and I'll tell you a little bit more about some of the topics we cover and today's guest. I have Edwina Stott joining me for a conversation on how to get unstuck in your own life. When you find yourself feeling like you just don't know what you're doing, what your purpose is, and you just feel overwhelmed with perhaps all of the options, or perhaps you've got a bad case of analysis paralysis and fear of failure is holding you back from trying anything. Ed is the perfect guest to speak to this topic. She is a podcast producer. She's a host. She's a journalist. She's a part-time comedian. Edwina Stott is certainly a breath of fresh air. You can hear more from Ed via her podcast, which is called the That's Helpful Pod. I will put a link directly in our show notes so that you can add it to your library. It's one to certainly have on hand. But in this conversation, we hear a little bit about Edwina's own journey and that moment of realization of going, huh, is that all there is. And yes, we're talking about that in the, I guess, career sense, but it's certainly transferable across so many areas in life. When you're a parent, when you're in relationship, pretty much any kind of like rut that you might be experiencing, you will take something from this conversation. I am absolutely certain. I think it's the sort of episode to definitely listen at least twice too, and you're going to have little light bulb moments going off as Ed speaks. I'm sure of it. If you enjoy this episode, please do send it on to a girlfriend, take the time to leave a review, slide into my DMs, slide into Edwina's DMs, let us know what you thought of this conversation. I just like when I finished speaking with Edwina, I was like, man, I wish she lived next door to me. I wish she was my neighbor. And I have that experience every now and then. There are certain women that I cross paths with that I'm like, oh, I just wish you were like close to me in physical proximity as well as, you know, through the world of podcasting and social media. Because as soon as Ed came on screen, I was like, oh, she's got such a wonderful energy. And I could just tell she was so passionate about everything she shares in this conversation. So if you enjoy it, absolutely do share it with one of your friends as well. So let's get stuck into my conversation on how to get unstuck. Just quickly, a word from today's sponsors. Unless, of course, you're one of our Venti members. In that case, there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Edwina, you and I have been chatting before hitting record and you just said something interesting about cabbages and boiling. <laughs> so there's this saying in radio, I have no idea what it actually comes from or what, what the meaning is, but it's like the don't boil your cabbages. So it's like don't overcook it, you know, don't cook the cabbage before you actually want to eat it because it's going to go gross by the time you've done it. So don't overcook it, I think is the premise behind it. It's like, don't do all your talking before you press record because it's never going to be as good. (laughs) Because you and I were getting into it straight away. And it's interesting, even hearing you explain that then, like the whole boiling your cabbage, don't overcook it. Something I've found over the last couple of years is the more preparation I put into a conversation the worse it is, like the more oh, yeah. stifled, the harder it is to listen, the harder it is to just be myself in. So I love that. I might have to write that on my whiteboard and keep it directly at eye height across from where I'm sat. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you know, you always know it's going to be like in radio or journalism, you know, always like the worst thing is when a guest comes in with like a page full of notes and you're like, no, this is not going to be good because it's, you know, way overthought. And I think what people don't realize is that their secret source is just being themselves, right? And that's what people are here for. Absolutely. And your secret sauce today is all about getting unstuck. And you were just giving me a little bit of insight. You did happen to drop the name Ira Glass. So (laughs) could you rehash a little bit of that for me, speaking of not overcooking it, just in terms of what you achieved and how you felt when you achieved it? Yeah. So I was explaining to you, you know, I've been a journalist for the past 15 years, literally did everything by the book. You know, I did the things that you were meant to do. I went into the BBC when I was 15. It was back when you could work for an organization for free and started working for free. They took me on, you know, I was absolutely grinding from when I was a teenager in the profession that I thought I always wanted to do. So my family moved over to Australia in 2012. And then when we moved over here after working for the BBC, you know, like BBC Radio 4, 5 Live, the biggest names. Um, I started working for the ABC, worked my way up to ABC Radio National, and then started making radio documentaries and was kind of like feeling this unsettled feeling in my career, like something wasn't quitting right, hitting right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do a course, like, again, do the things that you're meant to do, right? So I'd already got like a law degree. I'd worked in journalism for 10 years at this point. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do a course. So I got onto the Transom Story Mentorship, which is like incredible um, mentorship for public radio, you know, radio that's uh, supported by the government, that's free and open in the US and was working with, um, as you say, Ira Glass, who's from This American Life and Shireen Marazel Maraji, who's a big name in the US. She hosts NPR's Code Switch um, and Rob Rosenthal. Incredible, phenomenal, you know, learned how to properly craft radio documentaries and audio brought this all back um to the abc and i you know i love working for the abc but it's just uh you get to a point where you're working and then you're creating you've put so much effort and you've chased this dream for so long and my only thing was right back from when I started working at 15 was like, I just want to do something that's cool and interesting and that I'm passionate about and that doesn't feel like a regular office job. And then I got back and I was like, shit, I spent all this time chasing the thing that I didn't want to do. And that was when I had this 
like feeling of being so stuck. And it kind of came up when I was like turning 30 and I just thought, oh my God, like I feel like up until then I've been like a high achiever. And now it's like, well, you're just another 30 year old with an office job. And I was like, crap, I feel really stuck. It's interesting too, because as you were chatting, I was wondering as well about just this point in time, right? Because you've gone and achieved all of these things. You've gotten the accolades, you've got the qualifications, you're putting in the hard yards. And then as you said, only to find yourself going, I'm just in an office job. And I imagine if it's not too sensitive of a topic that the pay would reflect an office job as well. And you're like, I have bent over backwards. I have tried to do everything I can do. And yet I'm in this position where someone is potentially doing a very similar job, very similar hours and making more money than me, if not the same, and they haven't invested in the way that you had. It's this interesting moment in time as well, I guess. Like I've been having this conversation with one of my friends who is a teacher and just talking about all of the extra work she does and the remuneration does not reflect the work that she's put into it, the money she's invested into her career, and then to compare it to people who do grow an online following and they're remunerated in a different way altogether, it can be really disheartening. It really can. And um, like one of the realizations that I came to recently was that I have worked my entire life for a career that no no longer exists. Like who listens to the radio anymore? who listens to linear media, who even reads that much news that's not on social media. Like it, it just doesn't happen. So like I've, I've, you know, gone after something and in the process of chasing it and achieving it, it has quite literally dissolved from under my feet. And you're right, you know, like working for the ABC, it's no secret that you, that you're not making millions there considering the amount of work you're putting in. And it's incredibly privileged. I 100% acknowledge that, that, you know, it is a, a wonderful career. Um, but, you know, when you've worked that hard and you go after something, you really set your sights on something. And also you've done everything that everybody's told you in terms of like, you know, go out there, you know, go for the blue chip job, study, work hard, don't quit, grind. And you think, yeah, but this isn't it. Like there, there's got to be something else. This is not it. And I know that so many people, uh, you know, from making the my podcast and talking about this, that so many people find this, and particularly around those like significant dates. You know, when another decade ticks over, you think, yeah, no, this can't be it. And also, you get to a point where, you know, it's it's too tricky to make a change but it's worse to keep things the way they are. So it's like more painful to stick with it and keep it in the way that things have been. So that was the kick up the butt I needed. And also this idea that like chasing things and you were like, we talked about the money there. And obviously, you know, like when you look around and, you know, my brother's a tiny bit older than me, my husband's the same age. And it's like, damn, you're making like three times the amount of money that I'm making. And you have these incredible careers and you've done like a third of the work. And I'm not saying that that's worthwhile, like a hundred percent, we should chase other things other than money, but you know, it kind of pulls the rug out from under you and you think, right. Okay. 
something's got to change here and I need that fulfillment and because I think if I was fulfilled I wouldn't even be thinking about the money but you know it's like the double whammy right you're not having a great time you're not getting fulfilled and so you just think damn this sucks I gotta start doing something and I just felt completely stuck in that. And I think it's so relatable because yes, you've experienced throughout your career, but so many of our listeners will be able to relate to this in terms of motherhood of going, you know what, my whole life I wanted to have kids. And then you have your kids and you're like, hang on, hang on, this isn't quite the golden ticket that I thought it would be. And something I think we tend to realize in our 30s perhaps is that there really is no there there. Like there's no finish line that you get to because the finish line is the end of your life. There's no (laughs) moment where you get there and you're like, oh, I'm finally there because there's always something else. So it's like this unattainable thing that we're on this hamster wheel trying to reach. So I think it's a really relatable thing to have one of those milestone moments to do a bit of a self audit and go, oh, (laughs) this isn't where I want to be. Yeah. And you're right. Like so many people can relate to this because it's not just in career. It's just that, you know, we all have those natural fluctuations in life where we kind of come to a pause moment and we think, oh, I've been chasing this. I actually haven't stopped to think whether I still want it anymore. And I often think that um, throughout life, so many things happen. And particularly now when we live such fast lives, like so many things happen that detach us from who we truly are and what we really want. You know, like there's tech going on, there's, you know, chasing the ideal life. There's, you know, we can see into people what we think is people's lives more than ever before on social media. And so you kind of lose completely the ability to even know what you want. I know you talked about this on that episode last week about like not even knowing what what fun is anymore. Like if you don't know what your idea of fun is, how do you know what your dream is? You know, like if you can't even pick what you want to do on the weekend, how can you pick what you want to do at work every day? And that's the exact feeling that I found myself in. And I know so many people find themselves in too. And it can just be that hamster wheel of habits that we develop, habits that self-soothe one part Mm -hmm. of us but are actually also denying access to another part because habitually we pick up our phones and we scroll rather than sitting in silence and actually being curious because sometimes the thought of being curious about what we want is scary. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, in that episode I say, like, I find it really sad that I get to the weekend and I don't know what I want to do. But it also makes sense that I don't know what I want to do because I'm bombarded every minute of every day. And when I'm not bombarded, it's like I don't have enough energy to think about that. So I look through that little window that someone else curates (laughs) of their life and it's just not a healthy habitual loop to be in. Not at all. And so one of the big things, like the huge realization that I came to, um, which really the kind of kick started helping me get unstuck, was realizing that there's so much taboo around quitting, but quitting is where the magic happens. Like I we should all become expert quitters. And I think, you know, for me, I become so wrapped up in associating my identity with being like this blue chip journalist and, you know, working for these great organizations and creating these documentaries and putting out this really impressive work that I stopped to even realize that I wasn't enjoying it anymore. And I didn't really want to do it. And the idea of quitting something that I'd stuck to for so long and 
dedicated so much time to felt like a huge undersell or like I was doing myself some um, disservice by quitting. But I think in fact, for so many of us, the opposite is true. And I think actually when you quit, like it depends, right? If you, if you just quitting something because you just don't want to do it, yeah, probably that is a bad thing. But I think often when we quit these pursuits, we're actually coming back to the authentic life that we really should be living. Like, by quitting these things that are no longer serving us, we're actually doing ourselves a huge favor. And I think by becoming expert quitters, we become expert beginners, right? And and becoming really good at starting new things and exploring new adventures and being open to those ideas means that quitting is a sign of evolution and growth. And I think that is a really important realization that I came to and is even why I started doing stand-up comedy for a little bit there (laughs) when I went in so when I came to this realization that I was really stuck I thought oh geez what what I really want to do and of course the obvious answer is stand-up comedy (laughs) right I feel like it was a proper midlife well like a quarter life crisis where I'm like oh my god what do I do so I was just like and it scared the shit out of me don't get me wrong but I thought you know what screw it I'm just gonna do it and you know I had to get over that thing of oh my god what will people think of me because I think putting yourself up on stage and saying you should find me funny is a really scary thing to do and it was absolutely bloody terrifying um but I started that and you know did it for a year and kind of found myself getting sucked into the same path that I did with journalism like feeling like I had to keep doing it because people knew me now as the person who started doing stand-up comedy but then when I was like dragging myself out of an evening at like six o'clock and and I've now come to realize that I hate going out in the evening (laughs) which I probably should have realized before I talk at the stand-up comedy but then when I realized that I was like damn why are you doing this so you know left that learned a lot gathered all the skills that I took to move moved on but I think you know quitting is a really powerful thing and I think that is one of the big secrets that I've learned to getting unstuck is that if you become an expert quitter you become an expert beginner well, it's recontextualizing the whole sunk cost fallacy as well, isn't it? Because often what we do is go, oh, I can't quit. Or we use the language of, oh, I can't give up on that because I've already invested, you know, with your career, you've already invested so many years, so many accolades, so many achievements, so much experience. And that tends to hold so much weight. And it's from the past. And what you're saying is if we recontextualize and go, okay, quitting is actually a good thing it's unshackling, it's freedom, it allows us to become a beginner, then you're shifting your focus from the past to the present and the future as well. A hundred percent. And also, you know, one of the big things that we worry about when we're scared of quitting is what other people think of us. And genuinely, I have to do this like all the time. I have to think, geez, Ed, who the heck do you think you are? That people are going to spend more than 30 seconds thinking about the the fact that you no longer want to do stand-up comedy. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares. And that is the truth is that often we feel tied to things because of what we think people think about us and reality nobody's even watching it's a very gives one it's a very childlike assumption actually you know I think about one of my little boys who gets so nervous he gets so much stage fright when it comes to doing things at school and I always have to remind him 
no one's watching you. Like everyone's <laughs> watching their own child. And actually, even the people that are meant to be watching their own kids, they're not watching their kids either. <laughs> everyone's on their phone. Everyone's mid-conversation. And I really have to work hard to sort of decentralize him from this narrative that everyone's watching him and waiting for him to fail. But it's the same yeah. thing that we go through as adults. There's this mental gymnastics of what will so-and-so think? What will they do if I do this? And it's just exhausting. It is so exhausting. And I think it, um, you know, it reinforces not only that sunk cost fallacy where we're more likely to put more effort into things if we've already invested time and energy in them. Um, I think it also reinforces this scarcity principle that so many of us carry around that is there's only one opportunity for us. There's only one opportunity for a certain select amount of people. And I guess like that narrative has been fed to us by like traditional work and even like patriarchy to pit women against each other. And it's just not true. Like that there is endless opportunity. You're probably not going to find it, you know, doing things in the way that you've always done it, but there are endless opportunities. And I think once you open your mind to that, you start to just open your world up and you become less scared of quitting too because you understand that there are way more opportunities coming your way and if you're holding on to the thing that once was right for you and you can't give up on it then you're never going to let in the thing that's now for you you know the we go through seasons in our lives, things change, and you've got to let go of that and realize that new great things are coming. And I think as long as you're holding on to the past and you, you're scared to quit the thing that you thought was for you, then you're never going to let anything new in. And that, that is a huge part of getting unstuck for me. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yes. And also just allowing yourself the opportunity and the time, I guess, to actually think about who you are in the present moment. So much of our life is just habitual. You know, I spoke mm -hmm. about this recently just on Instagram stories saying, do you need to do a bit of a routine audit? Because you've developed mm -hmm. this routine, like your day, the rhythm of your day has been born out of circumstance. And particularly if you've had young children, you might be doing things a certain way, but now the kids are a bit older, but you're still stuck back doing things how you were exactly. a few years ago. So it's like just pausing to update and go, hang on, who am I now? Like this current version, what do I need? And giving yourself permission to have freedom to move into a different space. I think absolutely. And um, one of the incredible women I had on the podcast was um, Kate Christie. She's a time guru and like organizational expert. She's so cool. Yeah, she's amazing. So one of the things that I always get like really um, 
I have no idea how to answer when people are like, what are your values? I'm like, oh God, it sounds like such a bloody big question. I'm like, well, I don't know, cake and pasta? Like, I have no idea. (laughs) I've got no, no clue. So she says, what you have to ask yourself is not what are my values, it's what do you most value? Uh, And so like for her, it's her business, it's her kids and her health and well-being. And so when you figure out what you most value, then it gives you precision, laser-like precision in what you dedicate and spend your time on. And when you like when your values are guiding everything that you do, then it removes the doubt and removes the cloudiness and the fogginess of those massive questions we ask ourselves like, what do I want to do with my life? When you're actually being guided with your values and spending your time in line with them, then it becomes a lot easier to figure out what you should be doing and what you should be dedicating your time to. And I just love that idea because I think that's such a big, scary question that so many of us get tripped up on. But when you ask yourself, like, what do I most value? then it gives you a lot more clarity. And when you're in that state of flux and you're wondering about what you should say yes and no to, which can be really hard when you're looking for new opportunities, you can kind of feel obligated to say yes to everything. Um, I think if you go according to those values, then you're going to find it a lot easier to get unstuck and kind of drag your life back to where you're actually going to find it fulfilling and, 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 you know, much more enjoyable. And it's not to say that this only uh, can be about your career, but like you said, you know, if, the, if you feel like you're going through the motions and everything in your life is stagnant, not just your career, then I think really figuring out what your values are can help center you to living that authentic life that is actually going to bring you true fulfillment, not not bloody Instagram. (laughs) There was a part during that episode and I'll link directly to it in our show notes as well, because I would encourage all of our listeners to jump over and have a listen. Thank you. But there was a portion of that episode where you were talking about this exact thing. And sorry, was the guest's name Kate? Yeah, Kate. Yeah. Kate. I'm terrible with names sometimes. And Kate says, one of the best ways to know what your values are is to ask yourself, if you are unwell, what would you get out of bed for? And I was like, that's it, right? It's having these data points and those data points of going, okay, well, actually, this is what I'd get out of bed for. This is important to me. And also for anyone who is quite uh, pragmatic or logical, keeping a time log and going, okay, you do it for a week, you track your time. And then at the end of the week, you've got these data points that you can't deny. So you sit down Uh and you go, well, if I was to look at this data with my scientist hat on and be objective here, I would say the person in front of me values X, Y, Z, whatever it is. The person in front of me values reality TV. The person in front of me values being outdoors in nature, being with friends, because you've got the actual facts in front of you. And then when you look at that time log and you look at how you're spending your time or what's most important, if that rubs up against you in a way that makes you go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that's what I was doing. That's a wonderful thing because it's an opportunity to do that audit. But maybe you'll look at it and go, oh, look at that insight. That tells me I value these things and how can I craft a life that honor those things that are really important to me. 
Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's the thing, like, when we are in these moments when we feel so stuck, it's really easy to lie to ourselves about what we think we should want, or what we think other people want us to do, or what we think other people would find impressive. And then when you actually, like you say, you look at the time log, or, you know, you ask yourself, truly, what are my values? And it can't, it, there's no room to hide. One of the other women I absolutely love is a woman called Ash Amberger. Um, she got a really cool book called The Middle Finger Project. It's about like reimagining the way we work. It's so cool. She's great. You should definitely read it if you guys haven't read the book. Um, but one of the things she talks about when you're trying to figuring out, figure out like what should be the next step or what do you want to do is write it down. She says, if you, every morning you spend some time, you say, what, what do I want to do? And you write it down. She says that, you know, it's very easy to lie to yourself when you're reasoning with yourself in your head. But when you actually have to do the physical act of writing something down and look at the words that you're writing on the page, it's a lot trickier to lie to yourself and kid yourself about what you actually want to do. So I think that's a good trip too. Similar to how BJ Fogg talks about when he wants to interrupt himself and notice that he's wasting time, he will say out loud, I'm wasting my time. Because when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, fuck, I am wasting my time. (laughs) And so sometimes I'll be scrolling on Instagram, Ed, and I'll go, I'm wasting my time. And it's like, yeah, I am. And it kind of just gets you out of that zone of, again, lying to yourself like, oh, I need this breather, this distraction's good or whatever it is. This is soothing in a way. It's like, oh, okay, let's get honest. A hundred percent. I love that. I love that. So in terms of like getting unstuck, we've spoken a little bit about self-doubt in terms of what other people think of us and how that can sometimes take up too big a piece of the pie. What are some other things that you think contribute towards self-doubt and imposter syndrome, particularly for women? The fact that everybody is telling us we don't know what we want. And you know what? If you don't know what you want, people can sell you things. Like you have to realize. Consumerism. Exactly. You have to realize that, you know, the whole premise of the world we live in today is trying to shake you from knowing what you want like to to the fact that we don't even know if we're hungry anymore we don't even know if we're full anymore and the same companies that are selling us diet foods are selling us energy boosting foods like it's an absolute ruse so don't feel bad that you think you don't know what you want because everybody feels like that like i think if you if you approach this and you're beating yourself up you're not going to get unstuck because you're going to be so wrapped up in those negative emotions that you're not going to give yourself the patience and the time and the, you know, that, that abundance mindset. And I don't mean that in a woo woo way. I just mean that if you close your mind off and you, you really pissed off with yourself because you don't know what you want, then you're only going to wrap yourself up in circles. Um, and I think, you know, it's no surprise that we don't know what we want because we're rushing around. We're chasing this dream. You know, I've talked to you through my story. I spent 15 years doing it and still, you know, fall into those traps 100%. You just have to recognize that everybody feels like that. And it's really hard, but you have to get to that point where you want to give yourself the time to figure it out. And like I said before, you know, you realize that 
things are fine the way they are, but it's kind of more painful to let them carry on playing out the way that they have rather than taking control of the situation and doing something about it. And that doesn't have to be a big threatening thing. That doesn't have to be a huge thing that gives you analysis paralysis. One of the things that um, I learned through the, through my podcast is that sometimes if you think that you want to try something, thinking about your life like an experiment is really beneficial. And this kind of plays back into like the quitting idea but if you treat your life like an experiment, imagine you're a scientist, right? And you want to tr figure out what you're going to do. One of the big things that scientists want is they want some experiments to fail. And by figuring out that some experiments fail, it kind of knocks you on the path to what you should be doing. So, you know, this idea that we have this self-doubt and that we're only going to fail and that things aren't going to go well for us. Well, in some respects, we kind of want them to fail because we want to figure out what we actually want to do. And we're not going to get to that through pure success. So I think leaving that whole, you know, because we can get so down on ourselves and anytime anything fails, anytime anything doesn't go our way is because of us. We did this wrong. And that's not necessarily true. And it's also not helpful. So I think approaching your life like like an experiment and thinking, well, I tried that. Didn't necessarily work out the way I thought it was, would stand up comedy for me, <laughs> but I tried it. I learned some things. I'm moving on and it's pushing me into the path that I actually need to be on. So I think like rather than seeing failure as, you know, a bad thing, it's actually a redirection to the path that we should be on. And noticing that on this journey, and I know journey is such a cheesy word, but throughout the process of these little experiments that you can do on yourself and with your life, I think it's understanding as well, the things that you will pick up along the way are actually transferable onto the next thing. Big Shh, time. Like maybe the result wasn't what you'd hoped for originally, but how often is li in life is the best thing something that you never saw coming, you know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden when it does happen, you can look back and with hindsight go, ah, oh, sure, I didn't see that coming, but in a way it's almost like I prepared myself for it through all of those little experiences. I was laying the stepping stones, picking up little skills to take with me into this thing that I never saw coming. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, we, we get so swept up in deciding what we want to do forever. You know, like we, we only search out forever relationships. We only look for forever careers, forever homes. And I think that there is something so overwhelming about that because who knows what they want to do forever. Nobody knows. That's like way too big a question. So rather than chasing forever and even chasing happiness, because we know that the more you chase happiness, the more elusive it becomes, search out the next thing, A, that's either going to bring you joy if you don't know what you want to do, or the thing that's going to take you one step closer to what you want to do. So, you know, if you have this idea around your dream career or what your dream life might look like, what's the single tiny thing that you can do today that's going to get you 1% closer to that dream? Is it listening to a podcast about the career of your chosen profession? Is it reaching out to somebody who's like three years on from where you are right now? 
you know, you can do these tiny things that step in the right direction, but rather than overwhelming ourselves with forever, we break it down, we cut ourselves some slack and we do the kind thing. And that's going to be so much help, more helpful to you in the long run. You know, because I do think that's one, of, that's one of the things that keeps us stuck. It's like, well, what do, would you want to do forever? Like, who the heck knows the answer to that question? Yes. What is your life mission, your life purpose? What brings you satisfaction and fulfillment? And I think this is such an important angle to look at fulfillment through, not fulfillment in terms of forever fulfillment, but like micro Mm -hmm. moments. What actually is going to fill your cup up today? Similar to back to that, you know, conversation about fun and not knowing what you want to do. Often when I've had this conversation with women about fun, they'll say, oh, it's going on a family holiday and it's this thing that happens once in a blue moon. But it's like, hang on, no, no, no. We've got to fill those little buckets up every day with little things. You know, you can't buy a house every day. You can't get married every day. You can't go on an overseas holiday. So why are we crafting lives, like whole lives around these things that just are meant to happen once, but not giving nearly enough attention to those micro fulfillment moments? Yeah, oh, it's a hundred percent true. And you know, going back to the values, I think um, as soon as you start to realize that your time is as a, is more valuable than money, um, you know how you spend your time. You should treat it how you spend your money. Would you want to waste? your time would you want to waste your money on this thing as long as you start as soon as you start to value your time in the same way that you do value money because you know we can make more money we can't make more time then I think you really tie back to those values and you really start to focus it in the areas that's going to fill your cup in the areas that's going to bring you fulfillment rather than just thinking well you know I guess this is what I've always done, so I'll carry on doing it. And I think it's about that refocusing, right? It's that big question. It's about being really honest with yourself about what your values are, what you most value, and what you actually want to do. And that's that's the key to getting unstuck, really, isn't it? When it comes to getting unstuck and looking towards your future, do you encourage, like, are you a fan of vision boards and manifesting practices and things like that? So one of the things that I've talked about a lot on the podcast, I, so I'm torn with manifesting. Same, same. Right? I'm torn. I think the idea of telling people just visualize it and it'll happen, complete BS, right? And it's usually, it's usually someone telling you from a very privileged position, hand up, also me five years ago. You get older, and you, you know learn what? More. That is growth. That yes. is growth. That is true growth. But I think you know that that you know if manifesting is this idea of you know like oh just think about it, it'll come to you, and the idea that if it doesn't happen, you haven't thought about it enough. Like, ugh. Like, just give me more ammo to hate myself with. Like, that's all you're doing there. Make but, me more responsible. Yes, right. Another area that we're failing, but. There is this thing called the expectation effect, and this is backed by science. There have been Harvard studies done behind this. So this is legit. So the expectation effect is the fact that the way that you feel about something, it has a direct correlation towards the actual outcome. So in this study, they told cleaners 
who um, did an hour and a half of physical activity a day that wasn't necessarily exercise. And they said, guys, you know what? You're actually doing heaps of exercise. And without changing any of their habits, without changing any of the actual movement that they did, they all showed significant improvements in most of their health metrics. Their blood pressure lowered, they uh, became fitter, they had better heart health. You like everything went off the scales, nothing else changed. All that changed was the way they thought about what they were doing. And that transfers to every aspect of our life, whether that's health, whether that's your career, whether that's your family, whether that's, you know, getting more joy in your life. How you think about things and how you approach things has a direct correlation to how they play out in our lives. And I think one of the big questions that we all ask ourselves when we're thinking about doing anything big or really thinking about committing to those huge dreams is, yeah, but what's the worst thing that can happen? And I think what we really need to ask is what's the best thing that can happen? Because when we focus on that, we just set ourselves up for success. And I'm not saying that if you go into, you know, things are going to fail. We've already talked about that, you know, and that in itself is a success because it leads to you to what you actually should be doing. But I think we shouldn't underestimate the power of the expectation effect. But with a side note that thinking about things isn't going to make things happen. You actually have to go out and get them. You know, I'm so torn by manifesting, so torn. I'm the same. I am so torn. And I think the example that you just shared is wonderful. I've spoken about it before in a podcast. It's amazing. I I find it fascinating. And there's another, I don't know whether it's a study or an experiment. And, you know, it's probably a bit of... I'm probably going to butcher it, but it was along the lines of having two groups of people, a group of people that one identified, self-identified as lucky people. You know, regardless of their circumstance in life, they said, I'm lucky, even if awful things had happened to them versus another group who had similar life experiences and things happened to them, but they identified as having bad luck. And then they had these groups and they sent them out into the wild, out into the street or whatever, and they planted money, like notes, like $50 notes, $100 notes. And everyone who self-identified as lucky came across the money. But the people who self-identified as having bad luck didn't come across the money. And I'm like, that's interesting. That expectation of identity. And I think it's similar with, you know, I think some people will relate to this in terms of family dynamics. Yeah. You know, if you kind of identify as playing a certain role in your family, even when you're an adult and you've moved away from that role in terms of you've oh, gone through yeah. different life experiences, but when you're back in that family home or around your parents or whoever it might be, if you perceive them to expect you to be a certain way, sometimes you start acting that way and you're like, oh, oh it's yeah. because I, that's what I'm expecting to feel and show up as because you haven't adjusted your expectation. Oh, I definitely think that's true. I definitely think it's true. And I think, you know, there there is so much power in that. And we talked about, you know, approaching things with a scarcity mindset. You know, if you think that there's only one job in your whole city that's ever going to suit you and somebody's already got it, so you're never going to get it, well, then, like, it's not going to happen, right? Whereas if you approach it with abundance, then you know that there's so many opportunities and there's so many opportunities for other people. And I think this was a big switch for me. Like when I went for working from working in like a really aggressive, uh, journalistic background where, 
genuinely everybody was coming for your job um to this you know doing my own thing now starting the podcast you know creating more opportunities like now I share everything I've learned because I know there's room enough there's more room right there's so much room here like come on up it's great like I I will it genuinely if anybody's met me they know I'm like okay what do you want to know like I've done all these courses I've done all these things like I want to share that with you because I know that there is room enough up here for more than one person and I think approaching things with that mindset breeds way more opportunity uh, and it also opens your mind to things because you're not permanently thinking that everybody's going for your job and you're closed off and you're saying no to opportunities like I just think that has been a game changer for me in terms of, you know, leaving behind an organization where, you know, there is limited jobs and you feel like your world is very small and then opening it up and throwing open the doors and you just think, you know what, that was a lie. This is not true. It's the Beta Meinhof phenomenon as well, isn't it? It's like whatever you focus on, that's what you see more of. And I think that's probably... where I rub up against about manifesting because I'm like, oh, I can see to an extent that's the part of manifesting. It's like where you focus, attention does grow. It does get bigger. You do bring more of that into your life. But at the same time, it's not just about creating a vision board and waiting for it to happen. No, not at all. And, you know, I think a lot of people who talk about manifesting, they don't necessarily, I mean, I think like the secret, right? So the secret is all about, you know, imagining and envisioning visioning things. And I think that just sets people up for failure and makes them feel really bad about themselves because, you know, they've, they've followed all the steps and nothing happens. And I think one of the things that I, I never want to do on my podcast is like make people feel like they're a problem that needs to be fixed, right? Because you're not. nobody is. We're all just out here trying to do the best thing we can do, right? We're all out here trying to offer the world what we can. Um, But I think the thing is with when you switch it and you learn about the expectation effect and the genuine benefits of having an abundance mindset, you can't argue against it. But I think, you know, it's like a tool, right? It's like anything. Some things, you know, can be bad used in the wrong way and some things can be good used in the right way. But I just think that, you know, manifesting gets a bad rap and in some cases rightly so. But I think, you know, if you think about the expectation effect and that science behind it, you just can't argue with it, right? Yeah. Got to love that logic-based argument. Yeah, always. (laughs) I could talk to you for hours. So I'm very, very glad that you have a podcast because it means I can go about my day and have you in my ears. Your podcast is called That's Helpful Pod. Yes. So it's called That's Helpful and it's all about um, science-backed self-help. But like no beating people up. You are not a problem that needs to be fixed. If you are having a crap day, I want you to be able to scroll through that feed and think, oh, that could help. And you have a listen, just sit down with me for 30 minutes and we're going to talk through some stuff with some of the world's best experts. The best thing about having a microphone in front of you, Kylie, you know, is that people will talk to you. So I've had some of the world's leading experts on there talking about all kinds of things, uh, some quirky things, some things you wouldn't expect. But yeah, I, I just hope that that's what I want it to be. You know, if you're having a crappy day um and you scroll through the feed and you see something and you just leave feeling a bit lighter that's that's my goal with that's helpful 
And as a listener of your podcast, I can co-sign. It's a wonderful resource. You've done an incredible job. Link is in the show notes. I'll also put your Instagram handle in the show notes as well. But what is your handle? Just while people are listening, if they want to jump over and click follow or slide in and let you know how they felt about the episode. Please do. Yeah. So if you search for That's Helpful with Ed Starr on any of your podcasting apps, you will find me. And also on Instagram at That's Helpful Pod. Find me there. I love it. I was saying to you, Kylie, before, I, most of the time I bloody hate being on social media because of all the reasons that we've discussed. But one of the things that genuinely brings me true joy is lovely messages from people who've listened telling me the ways in which the podcast or little things that they've learned has genuinely helped them because that is just like my life's purpose that I've realized is like audio and helping people like I've smushed them together in this delicious messy looking cake that is that's helpful so I hope everyone enjoys it (laughs) it's not a messy looking cake but link is in the show notes thank you so much thank you for having me Kylie I really appreciate it it's been a joy to chat Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjalung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.